Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is September 15th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of Washington, D.C. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And we have a game result. I feel almost amazing now. Like the level of of joy I feel now is equivalent to the level of heartquaking and embarrassingly strong anxiety I felt in the first quarter when Ben couldn't hit the broad side of the barn and we were fumbling punts. And I realized, wow, I thought I've come a long way with this, you know, uh, emotional reaction to the Steelers and to football in general. You know, the Bell Brown saga. I figure, you know, it's, it's time. It's time to grow up, man. It's time to grow up. You can't get so mad at a guy you don't know who didn't do anything to you personally. All right. Up. Oh, we got to see Ben Roth. Oh, the hero of the world goes down. You got to watch Mason Rudolph and Duck play for a whole year instead of the main guy. Hey, it's not that bad. It's still fun watching football. Day one of the NFL comes by. So much fun watching on Sunday. You know what? I think I'll be pretty chill on uh, Monday. I expect the Steelers to be a little bit slow. It'll be okay. I was not chill. I was not chill at all, people. Nope. Hart was going about six times the regular speed until eventually the Steelmen settled into it. And then now we're just basking in the glory almost as much as I basked in the glory last night after the game, uh, which is the best part when you wait for NFL to put the highlight package together and you get to view it and you won, and then you can win as many times as you'd like, and I ended up watching about 10 times. I don't want to lose the lead. Steelers 26, Giants 16, as compared to my prediction of 28 to 13. If I was betting on that, I'd, I guess I'd lose, but I was close for, for no good reason. Like, the broken clock is right twice a day. Um, so let's be honest here. In your professional life, decorum and a cold, steely professionalism is required. Football really doesn't matter. There's nothing wrong. I used to be somewhat critical of the high emotions that you exhibited because it was so <laughs> annoying, especially the, the hole in the closet wall from the bus's fumble. fumble. On the one-yard line. Yeah. But I've gone past that, and I can understand what there's got to be something in life you can be emotional about. And why not the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially... When, you know, honestly, I think that script was followed. You may have been frustrated by Ben, but he played above the line even, you know, from the beginning. No interceptions. Of course, he wasn't uh, taking a whole lot of risks. The whole team wasn't taking a whole lot of risks, and I think appropriately so. There was a team they couldn't scout. First game of the season, first game in a year with their yep. quarterback. 
Yep, yep. And I definitely wasn't uh, disappointed with him by the end. I was just saying I was nervous at the beginning. But if we wanted to, if we want to paint with a broad brush here, here's my opinion of what happened last game. Number one, thrilled. I mean, it's uh, it, it's going to be sloppy at the beginning. That's okay. I think what we watched is we saw a balanced football team for the first time in many years. And I don't remember what that feels like with how slow the Steelers started on offense. I mean, he was missing screen passes by five yards. The the nerves were clear. Don't want to say we called it, but we've been talking about that for months. We expected that. And it's not rocket science here. We've just watched Ben play enough games. We watched the Steelers play enough games where we knew that that could be a distinct possibility. And while it was happening, you know, back in the Killer Bees days, your team, you might be screwed. You fumble a punt on the one-yard line, that defense probably isn't getting a stop, right? You uh, go three and out, you can't mount any drives or score any points early. It's going to be tough going. But the defense is as advertised. Yes, Daniel Jones moved the ball at times, but, of course, when the time came, The superstars, the all pros on the Steelers defense made big plays and that allowed the offense to have time to get into a rhythm, to find themselves, and they didn't have to go into a panic mode like we're used to seeing a couple years ago because the Steelers knew if we don't get, you know, to 30 in certain games, there's no chance of winning. And then you saw the offense organically find its sea legs and uh, win the game that way. So it's just such a balanced team victory from that perspective. I'm going to, I have a little subtlety to that assertion and let me just get some bad news out of the way special teams were not balancing offense and defense we have some problems there um and the defense although both performed well the defense was oppressive impressive and oppressive let me just Mm -hmm. note um daniel jones is the real deal and who would have thought a semi ivy leaguer from duke would be (laughs) as good as he is and he he was good uh there were i've read some tweets that were saying the steelers rush wasn't all that I don't know. I, I mean, oh, no. I thought they maybe for the offensive line they were facing, I thought they were good. He got out a lot of jams. And he, by the way, was the only producer, rushing yard producer on the Giants team. So let's, uh, that's a good segue. Let's talk about the defense first because they were kind of the stars of the show a little bit. Um, I think you guys have seen the graphics by now that Ben Roethlisberger outrushed Saquon Barkley. Nine to six terms of yardage that tells you everything you need to know I mean what at one point he was seven carries for negative six yards or something insane I mean yeah that Giants offensive line is terrible but once again (laughs) the Steelers are just filled with all pros because it looks like the best player of all last night is Bud Dupree and we'd say that uh he you would never call him the weak link but you might list him uh as the fourth beetle and not the first. And so when he's cooking, uh, yes, unblocked a lot of the game, but he was finding ways to get to the ball. His huge play to knock the ball free uh, in the end zone where it popped up and Cam Hayward, as we all waited with bated breath, Cam Hayward (laughs) signaling for the fair catch, clamps it in with with both of his arms and his chest. I think uh, Ramon Foster tweeted Javon Hargrave about that. Hey, what do you think about that Cam catch? And Hargrave was making fun of him like, that boy was too scared to catch it with his hands. He caught it with all chest. But, um... Yeah, no, up the in the air, by the way. Man. What's that? Up in the air. He felt the need to jump. He hopped. <laughs> he hopped. <laughs> yeah, he hopped. That was nice. But, yeah, the defensive line was incredible. They were oppressive, exactly as you said. I mean, it was just they couldn't get anything off. I agree. I thought Dan, 
Daniel Jones was phenomenal. I mean, they had that 19-play drive that ended with Bud hitting the, you know, ended with the cam interception, right? But that play, I'm like, man, Daniel Jones' rhythm was, was phenomenal there. He was get the ball, get it out, get the ball, get it out. And the coverage wasn't, wasn't bad. I mean, it was tight. And basically, if somebody wants to nickel and dime you all the way down the field on three- and four-yard passes, you're going to say, like, okay, try it, do it. You're going to have to go 19 plays every single drive. That's going to be impossible for you to put that together. So if you're worried about how many passes Jones completed, I mean, that's my stance on it. It does remind me of when the, the last great Steelers defenses were undone by the Patriots, who used to spread them out and do that nickel and dime stuff, and they were successful at being able to do that. Um, so that's something to look out for, but the Steelers know that's the only thing they have to look out for as well because, yeah, the rush was phenomenal, and um, the big players showed up. I mean, Tan, uh, TJ, Cam, and Bud were unstoppable. The turning point is TJ Watt, though, right? Like, so that game started out, you know, started out rough, and then TJ Watt jumps up and intercepts the ball like Spider-Man, a couple yards past the line of scrimmage, gives Ben a short field. Ben had been, you know, utter crap to that point, and then he turns it on. Makes a really nice third down play to Eric Ebron on a corner route, and then a beautiful touchdown pass to Juju. It's not like it was some crazy throw where you fit it in the bucket, but the, the, the Giants brought an all-out blitz on that play, and Ben had to fade away and hit the lob ball over the defender. Juju was open, but it was a perfect throw and under duress, and that really was the moment where it knocked the Saran wrap off for Ben, and kind of from that moment on, you knew that the Steelers were in control, and it really came from a big pl- your best player making a big play in a big moment, and that's T.J. Watt. I was telling you this before we got on the call here. Right. Sometimes when the defenders make big plays, I'm so conditioned to the last eight years of Steelers football that I think there's a voice in the back of my mind that says, like, well, thank God he did that. But that's not sustainable. Like your defense isn't going to make big plays all the time. You remember when we went three years with like two interceptions by a secondary member, like cumulatively, you know, the Ross Cockrell, Antoine Blake years. Don't even like to say the names. Well, guess what? It. It is possible for it to be consistent and get used to it. Cam, TJ, these guys, Minka, they're going to make plays every game the same way that you could say with A.B., Bell, and, and Ben, you know, back in that day. Like, there's no way they can keep making insane plays like this on a game-to-game basis. But they did the whole time. And sometimes they made more and sometimes they made less. And it just seems right now that those guys are on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know if you have any other thoughts about the defense, but it just seemed that the, uh, the Giants just didn't have the personnel. They didn't have the organization. They didn't have a, you know, the experience as an offensive system together to, to compete with the Steelers' defense, but they completely delivered. Well, let me tell you what I, you know, whether that was the turning point or not, the bigger turning point was a series of plays. One, Deontay Johnson botching the punt. Yeah. Actually, he did a half, halfway fair catch signal, which made, didn't instill confidence. Like, are you fair catching or are you saying hi to somebody? Uh, he fumbled the ball near the goal line, three, what, the three-yard line, and the Steelers were able to stop that. That, to me, was huge, the fact that they were able to stop, prevent a touchdown. The, um, the pass interference on Hayden, well, I think we, we think that was a questionable call at yeah. best. Yeah, uh, that, 
that was an opportunity for the Giants that they didn't really that they ended up capitalizing on. Right. Um, With a beautiful. I mean, that touchdown pass was beautiful. I mean, allegedly, what's come out is that that coverage on the touchdown pass to Slayton. Hayden was supposed to get over, allegedly. We never know for sure, but when you look back at it, it looks like he was supposed to slide in the back end there. But you're right, that, that ticky-tacky uh, pass interference on Hayden, that was a third down, right? That was like a third and long, if you will. So the, the drive would have stomped right there. That was big. Yeah. Um, the other part was uh, the Boswell missed extra point. May not have been big in retrospect. I mean, we're all a little nervous now. We're a little gun-shy. It's an even year. Isn't it time for... Boston right, starts slipping a little bit, but it just felt balls. like with the game as close as it was, that could be a deciding factor. But I think that the Steelers shook off all those. And let's face it, I, hopefully Johnson just is, again, opening game jitters, and that's not going to be a sign of things to come. Yeah, just to the Steelers, with, right? <laughs> yeah, they kept them in there. So I think the Steelers overcame rust and some miscues, and that was really the hopeful thing for me. I mean, there were some fantastic plays. Let's face it. Yeah. Um, well, we can go over that when we start talking about the offense. Right. Well, but, and I just to, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the overall thoughts again right now because I kind of forgot to say at the beginning, like, look, this is the floor. This is the absolute floor for this team. That's why I'm so excited with the win. I mean, you got to measure it week to week. If they don't improve, then, hey, we're in trouble. But in Mike Tomlin's era, they always improve, you know, so there's, there's reason to believe that they'll just continue to get better. And on offense – there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, guys have been here before, but they haven't played together like a unit like this. So they're definitely going to get better. We saw them get better over the course of the game, right? Uh, Matt Canada, his influence was noted. There was a ton of jet sweep motion that we haven't seen before. And then, by the way, they win the game with a fourth and one jet sweep to Claypool. So, like, that's Matt Canada call right there. So that was pretty cool to see that. That's a new thing for the Steelers. They're only going to get better. And if this is the floor, that's great. Because like I said, in the past years, you've seen Steelers teams, they, don't have, they can't afford to be this. Not, not, not that they were overly sloppy. They just started a little bit sluggish, and it's not as sexy as maybe you think it would be. But this is what happens when you have a good, balanced team, is you win these games when you're supposed to win them, and you win them relatively convincingly. And let's move to the offense in general. Everybody did, or at least flashed, what he's capable of. We have these high hopes for receivers. You have Claypool with a fantastic third and nine. Tony Totap, I guess there has to be some other kind of moniker for his sideline catches for a first down. It was beautiful. I mean, there's no way he was in bounds until I saw that that instant replay. Um, Johnson had a rocky punt return. He, He ran a couple bad patterns, but in the end, he got his share of balls. Uh, Juju showed up. Washington's touchdown reminded me of Brown. Am I allowed to say that? You can I say mean, it. the fight in that guy. He, there's no way the average, the the normal human, even the excellent human being, keeps his knee Seriously. off the ground on a play like that. And he was able to go basically parallel. So, and Ebron had a fantastic catch for a first down. So, everybody showed capability. Oh, and let me not forget Benny Snell. Well, we'll get to him later. Let's save that. For we'll talking save about the, it. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about I the take receivers. That back. Talking about the receivers right now, I mean, you put it, you know, perfectly. Like, they all got a little shine. This receiver group is as advertised. I mean, it's the deepest receiver group I've seen in Pittsburgh in forever. And you remember the young money years. But even then, there was, 
You know, I have uh, I have hatred towards Emmanuel Sanders for the way that he talks crap about Ben when he leaves, regardless. But I mean, come on, man, you got to admit Emmanuel Sanders was not great in Pittsburgh. He had good moments and he had bad moments, so he wasn't the guy that we know him to be this day. Now there's just you know there's three, four, five guys who can catch passes, including the tight ends, and Ben spread it around to all of them. And kind of unsurprisingly, Juju's the main guy. Like, listen. I saw a lot of discussion on Twitter this week that the concept of a number one receiver is not a thing. I got I to gotta throw the challenge flag on that one, to be honest with you. There's definitely number one receivers. I mean, how can you say that after watching, you know, one of the best ones of all time in Pittsburgh for a few years? There are guys who you can line up on the outside of the field and just have them go one-on-one or one-on-two all game long and they can make plays in every single way. Those, there, there's guys like Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins can catch it long. He can catch it short. He can catch the ball and then run with it. He can catch it in traffic. He can catch it on the sideline, catch it in the red zone. There are guys you can just line up and they'll dominate everywhere. And Juju isn't that guy, but that doesn't mean that he's not a great, you know, pro bowl level wide receiver. And they show the, the, the trust they have in him for, with all the plays that they call for him. And Ben shows the trust that he has in him. And his, you know, catches in the red zone, it's not like he was, had anybody draped on him, but it was perfect, you know, making those plays. And then in the two-minute drill, which was another big uh, portion of the game for the Steelers, Juju's so good off of those little drag routes where he just has catches and runs. And it's really nice to see the Steelers find ways to scrape, find ways to set picks for Juju. And it just, once again, to call back to those Patriots days, I mean, how frustrating was it how many, like, watching Wes Welker or Edelman catch drag route after drag route, and you wonder, like, how, how can we not cover this? This is all they do. Well, there's a bunch of different ways to do it, and eventually Juju caught another one on that. Um, so he caught a drag route first, catch and run. Got, I don't know, 15 yards on it. Then they lined him up on the other side of the field, on the left side of the field, and he ran, like, a Z out. So he fakes the drag and then pops out, and then they got the bottle in there, and that's what got the Steelers you know, in range that way. So there's a lot of ways to get a guy like that the ball, and then he makes the most out of it. He's got the strong hands, and he runs well after the catch. So he was kind of the headliner. I think Deontay Johnson, the positive thing about him is, you know, we expect a lot out of him. But over the course of the game, you can see that his chemistry with Ben is developing. And by the way, they call a lot of plays for him too. So he caught a nice back shoulder throw, a couple nice comebacks and stuff like that. So... Nothing big, nothing down the field, but you can tell they want to prioritize getting them ball, him the ball. So I, I agree. Just all the receivers showed a little bit, and they're all only going to go up from here. I think we have to turn our attention to the next big theme. It'll, it'll incorporate the running backs, but the injury bug. We came into the yep. game already missing David DeCastro, and it just got worse from there. Yep. So I can tell you the positive news first, which is, once again, we talked about this all offseason. You need to have significant depth on the offensive line to, to survive an NFL season. And we were worried about that until the offseason went on and the Steelers signed Wisniewski and drafted Doxson, and we realized, wow, they, this is a deep offensive line. So from that standpoint, the Steelers were able to weather the storm because the front office and Sean Surrett have done a great job and getting the right guys in the building. But the sad news is, I mean, we could have said this at the top, right, but people should know by now, Banner is out for the year. 
it's uh, early diagnosis looks like a ACL tear. It's depressing. I mean, him and Juju are like you know, two of the coolest, most likable guys that ever play for the Steelers. I mean, just such a charismatic guy. And then to work his way up the depth chart and then win the starting job and then get injured for the whole season in the first damn game, it's depressing. Now, it's also bad news for the Steelers, but in a certain way, hey, Ch- Chooks was basically the co-starter, right? So you're going to plug him in. He should do fine at that right tackle position. But now you don't have, you know, now who's the guy behind him? Well, I'll tell you the guy is. It's going to be Gerald Hawkins, who I think the Steelers are signing from the uh, Texans practice squad, old draft pick of theirs. So he never really came to fruition in Pittsburgh, but at least you bring back a guy who's familiar with the system. So that's helpful. At least you got a guy who's been here before, but... You know, the depth is going to be tested, and at a certain point, that's just a luck thing. Obviously, Wisniewski went out. We have to see how serious that is. Still no word on whether DeCastro is going to play next week or not, but we, we talk about this every year. The offensive line injury bug that happens to teams, like, at a certain point, that's some luck. So the good news is DeCastro and Wisniewski don't sound like they're overly serious, and there is depth to be able to weather this kind of storm, but... Definitely cast a little bit of a shadow over what was a good win. So I don't know if this is a meme or not, but if it wasn't last night, it is now. James Conner, injured injury, uh, six carries for nine yards and out of the game. Yeah, you got to feel bad for him too, man. I mean, it was almost it's like a cruel joke from the universe. We talk about him constantly. Hey, this guy's like a top 10, top 15 maybe running back if he – can stay healthy. He didn't even last one half. Did he last a quarter? I mean, he was ineffective when he was in there, too. Now, granted, there wasn't a lot of blocking, but, you know, Benny Snell stole the show, and he might have stolen the job, to be honest with you. The Steelers usually give guys like Connor who have proven themselves, they'll give him more chances. But if Benny Snell has 100 yards against uh, the Broncos next week, I think it's Benny Snell's job. So... Depressing about Connor. I mean, the dude cannot catch a break. He's amazing at Pitt. Catch, catches cancer. Comes back. Plays great. Gets drafted by the Steelers. Behind Le'Veon Bell. Does well, does well. Gets his first year starting. We, you guys know the story. He does great whenever he gets the opportunity, but he always gets injured. And I don't know, man. It looks like the early reports are he avoided the dreaded high ankle sprain, and he just has a low ankle sprain, so he could return pretty quickly within the next week or two here. I mean, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence, you know, for him to play against uh, the Broncos this coming week. But uh, you just got to feel bad for the guy. But you have to feel good for Benny Snell. What did he have, 113 yards or something like that? 19 carries, broke 100, uh, looked good. And, you know, we've been vocal about the way we feel about him. He's, he's just the un, he's the least sexy running back you could ever have. It, just, it doesn't look like much when he's out there. There's not a single play where you say, oh, my goodness, how did he do that? Whether he's juking a guy out or running a guy over. But he just knows how to play the position. He's decisive and much, much faster this year. I mean, that's noticeable. On that 30-yard run, he kind of ran through the left side of the uh, offensive line when the Red Seas parted and then just did a little hesitation move on the safety froze him just enough where he was able to out-sprint these guys for another you know, 20 yards to the sideline. Benny Snell couldn't do that last year. And he's a tough runner, and uh, that'll be helpful for the Steelers. So 
good for him on that big first game, and we'll see what happens. And once again, it's another position where the Steelers got to feel decent about their depth. And luckily, it seems like Connor avoided anything serious. I didn't think this was a big theme, but like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I just wanted to talk about special teams for a second. So Boz missed his, missed his extra point, hit a what was 41-yard field goal, uh-huh. and then he had a kick, a kickoff out of bounds, which just seemed like, oh, man, we don't, we don't need him to be inconsistent this year. But the ray of sunshine could have been Ray Ray with a 33-yard oh kickoff return. And if he didn't trip, he might have housed his first return. as He might have housed it. So... We'll see. How's yeah, it? that was nice. We'll see. I think um, the only other negative I'm going to put out there, which is a sort of wait-and-see type of deal, the play calling was interesting with some of the Matt Canada motions mixed in there and some of the pick plays they found for Juju. You know, like we said, for years we get a little frustrated that the Steelers don't always do the greatest job of manufacturing catches for people. They kind of just would get out there and let Ben ball and freestyle and, you know, with the other guys out there. But, um so they did a good job with that, but some of the conservative play calling is maddening. The second and 19 from their own five-yard line where Randy Feetner ran the ball, I wanted to kill the man. I, I thought that that was going to be done after the Rudolph and Duck season. You know, the, It's insane not only how dumb it is to run on second and long, but how predictable it is that the Steelers are going to do that. And there are a... There is a little group of coaches in the NFL who are old school guys, usually old guys. And I can't tell how Randy, how old Randy is. He looks at least 94 in catfish years. But it's just so predictable when they do that. And here's where I have the real problem with it. He runs from the five-yard line on second and 19 and then goes in a shotgun and passes deep to try and pick up the, the, the first down on third and 18. So if you're going to run from the, from the five-yard line, you're sort of implying, okay, we just, it's Ben's first game back. We're backed up on our own territory. Our defense is great. There's no need for us to risk it. Let's just, let's just run it, and then we'll run it twice, and then we'll, we'll probably run it, throw a screen pass. We'll punt it. Just be conservative. But no, he goes for the first down. So he was trying to get the first down. Why didn't you just pass it both times? Because, by the way, Ben almost got the first down. He threw it a little bit over Ebron's head on that scramble play. But, uh, yeah, so some of that stuff's annoying. Hopefully that will go away with time. Hopefully it's just being conservative because the first game or whatever. But that's just something to look at going forward. So I hate to rush us. We did try to get this episode out after the game. I actually have to go back to work. I assume you do too. Yep. But we are on for the Broncos this Sunday. We want to... Encourage you to visit our website, SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.